1: It's Big Blue Banter, the answer to all your Giants matters. From run game to coaching to Bob Shepard's timbre. Hosted by Dan Schneier, analysis on fire. A Giants fan since day one now preaching to the choir. Joined by Nick Filato. Breakdowns with bravado Passing you the facts Like he passes on gelato From just outside New York A couple football dorks A killer podcast When Dan says Receiver corpse They do the play-by-play Dropping almost every day These experts know The X and O's Just like Danny O'Shea They do the review Of the All-22 Dissecting every throw you Uminiora lit up in Venora when he was A guest on the show So there you have it A podcast for Giants fans Who are rabid Who can't wait For Sundays The NFC East the fantasy League Standards. We'll see you back here. It's Big Blue Banter.
2: Welcome back. It's the Big Blue Banter New York Giants Football Podcast. I'm Dan Schneier. Joined as always, by my co host, Nick Velato. Tonight, we will be breaking down, or today, we will be breaking down the 53-man roster, or at least our projection, our prediction for what the Giants' 2021 53-man roster will look like upon final cutdowns. And I say that with a very important asterisk next to it because... As you'll see from my breakdown, I think that whatever this roster is first announced at is not what this roster will be, even in week one, as soon as week one. And we saw that last year. We saw it the year before. I think especially this offseason, and we'll get to that, Nick, there will be some players coming from other teams on waivers who the Giants will claim and ultimately add to their roster over some of the guys they have on it now. So before we do any of that, Nick, let me
1: send it over to you here how you're doing today, man. What's going on? Doing excellent, man. Doing excellent. Ready for uh, the final roster. I think you did a great job talking about how this 53-man final roster will not look like the actual 53-man final roster. Dave Gettleman and the entire NFL are going to look to poach anybody who other teams are trying to slip Onto the practice squad. So anybody of any kind of value that teams try to slip onto the practice squad will get poached similar to what happened to the Giants with Ryan Connolly last year. The Giants were trying to slip him onto the practice squad. And then the Vikings were like, no, 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 no. We'll take him.
2: Yeah, exactly. And we'll see what happens with that. But today we're going to do our best guess, or our best, most educated guess, I should say, and what we think the... Final roster will look like, and we'll see how close ours are. We'll see how different ours are. So let's dive right into it, Nick. Let's start with the offensive side of the ball. Give me your prediction for who will make the roster at the quarterback position.
1: So the quarterback position is pretty cut and dry right now. It's Daniel Jones and Mike Glennon with Brian Lewarke getting relegated to the practice squad. And obviously, Daniel Jones is going to be the starter. I think Mike Glennon is a uh, adequate backup who has his faults, sometimes takes a lot of risks, and it doesn't necessarily pay off. But he has a lively arm, which we saw in that final preseason game against the Patriots when he connected with Damon Willis down the field.
2: Yeah, no doubt about it. I think the Giants will go with two quarterbacks as well. I have the same prediction as you know, Lewerke. Going to be Jones, going to be Glennon. Glennon has a live arm, but it is starting to feel a little bit to me like he might not be. I originally thought he'd be – Maybe a potentially better option than Colt McCoy, who the Giants, as we've learned since, have basically moved on from because of the money. They wanted to allocate less cap space, which they did and They accomplished in doing with Glennon. I'm not as convinced as I was that he's a better option which is crazy to think about because he does not have a live arm Colt McCoy and generally I'm not a big fan of quarterbacks without live arms but you know Glennon seems to me like just a quarterback who's just never going to quite get there and it's funny because I think back to those hard knocks days when he was with the Raiders and Gruden kept yelling at him and Gruden had all these issues with him it seemed like he just wasn't doing a great job improving on the things and even to the extent where I I remember Gruden saying something like this guy looks like he should be so good (laughs) he's not and that's kind of where at with Glennon I think ultimately if you just look at the overall positions the Giants are heading into 2021 with a quarterback group that I that does leave a little bit to be inspired for me at least I mean I just don't think overall they have that much talent right now at the quarterback position there's still hope with Jones less so with Mike Glennon who I think at this point is typically and almost definitely Nick and you could probably point it over to this we've talked a lot on Jones who knows what's going to happen there but I feel like this is a stopgap backup for Jones right
1: now, Glennon. Would you agree with that? It might might only be a one-and-done situation. It could certainly be a one-and-done situation. I mean, the Giants might find some young kid who they feel like can mesh better with Jason Garrett's offense or a former Cowboy like a Cooper Rush could end up getting released, and then Jason Garrett doesn't cut him this time. And I think a lot of things can happen, but I'm definitely viewing it more as a stopgap. I think you could do worse with other stopgaps. In the league, to be honest, Mike Lennon, somebody who actually started NFL games last year. But if something were to happen to Daniel Jones, it's it's uh, Mike Lennon isn't somebody that I expect to pull a Jeff Hostetler.
2: Yeah, I think you're right, Nick. And I ultimately, I don't know how bad of a thing that is because I think last year someone made a really good point to me when I was kind of disappointed in Colt McCoy as the backup. And I was basically saying, like, this is not a spot you want to be in where your defense is playing lights out ball and you're not, and you, you know, you, you can't beat up. You can't come close to beating a Browns team because you got a quarterback who can't really generate anything on his own. And as someone said, it's almost like, well, think about it like this. Do you even want a good backup? Because if your backup has to play, if Jones gets hurt, your season's pretty much shot anyway. And do you really want to be grinding out those last few wins and then potentially you know, hurting your chances of getting a better draft pick? Or does it even really matter? What's the ceiling? You know, There's really no ceiling with McCoy or Glennon or basically any backup that the Giants could sign to play behind Jones right now, with the exception of maybe like a P.J. Walker type who I'm intrigued by and I think Carolina did a really good job of getting his there backup but I don't see to, and somebody like Taylor Heineke intrigues me a tiny bit but not much I mean I think if he gets hurt Jones the season's kind of over anyway
1: yeah more than likely and I mean we're not even fully sold that Daniel Jones is the guy to take this team to the promised land either but without him I think we're pretty certain that that's going to be a very hard obstacle to overcome
2: no doubt about it. All right, let's get to the running backs. I'll give you mine, then you can give me yours. I'm curious to see if we have any differences here. I've got Barkley, I've got Booker, I've got Clement, I've got Penny, and I've got Gillespie. Is that how I pronounce it, yeah. Gillespie?
3: I think it's I Gillespie.
2: Remember. Gillespie. Yeah, I knew it was Gillespie because I remember hearing it on the broadcast different. And I was like, why did I? I? I always read it as it's the same thing with gifs and gifs. I'm I'm a big gif guy, even though I know it's probably wrong, and I just can't get it out of my head. Once I get it in my head. Can't fix it. But this one was interesting to me because I almost put Brightwell on it, especially after seeing him get first team reps. But I think that was more of a trial thing. And I think they can probably sneak Brightwell through on the practice squad. But I would not at all be surprised if Brightwell takes that spot over Corey Clement. I have two fullbacks on the roster because of the lack of depth at tight end, which I'll get to when we get to tight end. But a push comes to shove. This was one of my closest ones, Brightwell or Corey Clement. And I think ultimately, with the roles that they have already in place on special teams, a lot of guys playing good on that from that standpoint already, a lot of guys locked into roles there. I think they can kind of look at this position as more of like, if we need to turn to this guy, if we get re- hit really hard again at injuries at running back, who can we trust more? And right now I think that answer is Corey Clement, despite the fumbles. I think, you know, that's something that they can kind of not get over, but if they continue, then move on from then decide
1: it's time to move on from. So that's where I'm at at running back. Where are you at with the backs? So it's actually funny, man, because I think you were right. It is uh, GIF, and I've always called it GIF, and I'm being very stubborn and not coming off of it, and I still refer to it as GIF. Somebody can vet me on this. I'm not 100% certain, but I think you actually might be right there, Dan.
2: That's surprising. I thought I was wrong this entire time.
1: Yeah, someone will correct us and, and let us know, I'm sure. But I have the same, actually. I have those same five... Uh, running backs, to being fullbacks. I think obviously Saquon Barkley, that's a given. And then Devante Booker, who's going to be that number two, if something were to happen to Barkley, Booker would assume the large portion of that role with Corey Clement being someone that could see some third down work has been a solid pass protector in the past, pretty explosive weapon out of the backfield of the receiver. But those fumbling issues are definitely something that is problematic. We've also seen the Eagles in the past use Corey Clement as a as a uh, back on the goal line too, even though he's not that big, but he's very, very stout and very, very strong. As for those two fullbacks, Elijah Penny and Gillespie are, are two guys who are key on first team special teams. And they've been that way basically the entire preseason. Gillespie are kind of playing that Nate Ebner role from last year on the punt team, that protector, that last line of defense for the punter. So I kind of think they're, Both going to make the squad as well, and you already took the words out of my mouth with the tight end position. We saw Elijah Penny last year run some H back in the on the counter run puller, kind of locate that most dangerous man in the hole. We saw him do that when Caden Smith was executing another role. So I think that's something we could see if the tight end position suffers an injury. Both Gillespie and Penny have either experience doing that. Penny's case in this offense last year, and then Gillespie profile to somebody who may be able to do that. So with the depth at tight end and the fact that both of them are key contributors on special teams, I have them both making the roster as well.
2: Okay. So, so far we're on the exact same page, it appears. Let's see if we have any differences. We move on to tight ends. I'm going Rudolph,
1: Caden, Smith, and Evan Ingram. Where are you at there? Those are the three that I have with a caveat that Nakia Griffin-Stewart could actually make this roster if this Evan Ingram calf injury is worse than we anticipate or is just going to have him miss a couple games. And now I think he would be one of the first offensive players who were going to be released specifically if a tight end comes free from any other team, which is something that could realistically happen. But I wouldn't be shocked if Griffin Stewart, who had two catches or three catches for 30 yards in the Patriot 22 to 20 loss. I wouldn't be shocked if we hear his name called, which is something that's insane to me, but it just speaks to the injuries that have happened at this tight end position with Levine, Toilolo, Lolo, Cole, Hicatini, and rice and John. Exactly. I mean, those three
2: guys, at least they were counting on a minimum
1: one, especially most likely
2: Toy Lolo. And it's really interesting. I mean, even if, he were to make the roster, obviously he had a pretty good receiving game comparatively speaking to the Giants offense tonight, or if they're able to do another thing where they kind of pull a Caden Smith type, not obviously Smith, but somebody off another team's roster at final cuts. Regardless, the fact of the matter is, there's a chance that they are going into the season with like three tight ends and obviously Gillespie and Penny as kind of, you know, potentially can play some H back, whatnot, can play different roles. But just the fact that they might go in with that amount of tight ends, like traditional tight ends on the roster, is surprising. You just rarely see that. Looking back to last season, I wanted to make sure that we took a look at last season's roster breakdown as we went by this. Giants had two quarterbacks. Giants had four running backs, and that includes Penny, so one fewer. And they had only three tight ends, so it's not completely out of the realm of possibility. It's not like something crazy even— Considering the Giants are a team that likes to run a lot of these two tight end sets, because we did see it last year. So I guess that kind of grounds me a bit and brings me back to earth on the fact that they they don't have as much tight end depth as we'd hope.
1: No, no, they do not. And I I hope there's a Caden Smith that comes free from a team like the 49ers or the Ravens or one of these teams that seem to have a glutton of uh, tight ends. And uh, that would be something that would be a welcome sight for the Giants if this Ingram injury is worse than we anticipate. I'm also wondering if someone like Eric Tomlinson, who actually caught a touchdown pass against the Washington football team who's currently with the Baltimore Ravens, if he comes free, if the Giants would look to bring him back because he has some experience in Jason Garrett's offense and he was a Giant for a brief time. Yeah, excellent point. I think that could
2: be in play as well. All right, let's move on to the wide receivers. This is one where I feel like we might have a little bit of a difference. So Galladay, Tony, Slayton Shepard, lock him in. No chance in my mind of either of, the, of any of them uh, not being on the roster. And then I'm going with CJ Board. I think Board has shown enough over this span, also last season included, both as a receiver and special teamer to kind of give himself that spot. And then my sixth guy is going to be. Dante Pettis and I'm only going six receivers last year the Giants went into the regular season with just five receivers I think a lot of people forget this it was just Shepard Tate Slayton Coleman and board and I don't want to quote me on saying they went into the regular season that was their first initial roster things changed obviously in those coming days a bunch but they initially on their initial cutdowns it was down to five so I think that six is you know it might even go less than six potentially five but I think specifically with the guys they have and the way this position shakes out, they will get six. And I'm going with Pettis here. I want to go Ross. Ross is the guy I think has the most upside. But I think this injury kinda killed him. This this camp injury and all the time he's missed kinda killed him. And then I know Sills has been a very big camp favorite, but to me, I think that Pettis is a is a much better fit for the NFL corners that he would face if pressed into action than somebody like um I'm sorry, somebody like David Sills. So that's where I'm kind of rounding out. Who do you have for your three? Uh, I'm sorry for your wide receiver position.
1: So I have seven making the team, but okay. it gets a little tricky with one of them. So Kenny Galladay and Kadarius Tony. Presumably, they're going to be healthy. They should make. The, they were going to make the roster off their skill set, but they're uh, presumably going to be there for week one as well, let's hope. Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton as well. Then I have CJ Board because of the special teams value that we have been talking about for quite some time. I have David Sills making the team as well. Uh, he's kind of that prototypical X that people talk about. He doesn't have, obviously, the same type of skills as someone like a Kenny Galladay, but with Kenny Galladay ailing, I think Sills could be somebody who... Can be a who make the roster who won't be dressed kind of player just in case Kenny Galladay's rehab is a little bit slower than some uh, anticipated. And then that final guy is John Ross. Now, John Ross has been dealing with an injury, he had a lot of hype coming into camp. He's been dinged up, he's been nicked up. Now, if he continues to be injured, he has to make the final 53 man roster in order to get reverted to the IR. And I I'm wondering if the Giants try to do that and don't want to put him through the waiver system because they fear that another team would pick up somebody of the talent and pedigree and speed of John Ross because Ross has that specific trait that supersedes a lot of the it's an elite trait so sort of supersedes any of the other traits that someone like a Dante Pettis has so I think originally Ross may make the team and they may revert him to the IR depending on whatever injury that he's dealing with I think that could be a possibility that's how I have it currently constructed but I wouldn't be shocked if someone like Dante Pettis makes the squad and as I said on the last podcast he's definitely somebody that I envision landing on his feet. I think that's an excellent call that they could
2: pull a little – I don't want to call it a fast one, but a savvy, savvy kind of roster move there by having Ross be on the initial roster, but then reverting to IR and freeing up that spot for one of those other back-end guys. So we'll see what happens there. Let's look at the entire offensive line. We don't have to break it down by position. Just go with your entire offensive line. And so I'm going to first preface it by saying – The Giants kept nine offensive linemen going into that first final cuts last year. That was one of the more surprising things I thought about the first round of cuts last year, just because you don't often see nine. And obviously that was mixed and matched throughout the season, but it gives you an idea of where they, of how important they value that having depth at that position. So I'm going with Andrew Thomas, Shane Lemieux, Nick Gates, Will Hernandez, Matt Parrott, Nate Solder, Jonathan Harrison, and unfortunately, Ted Larson. So I've got eight on my initial projection. But then I say with an asterisk, I'm giving a 55% chance. And I'll do this for other positions as well with percentage. I mean, a 55% chance that they have a ninth offensive lineman and he's signed from another team. So he's not
1: any of the guys currently on the roster and he's signed from another team. Yeah, I have the same eight to be honest with you I think Ted Larson may have shown enough in his brief stint with the Giants to take that job away from someone like Kenny Wiggins who has struggled when he's seen the field and I also do believe that the Giants will look and use that pro scouting department to find the highest graded person who teams are trying to sneak through waivers and they can come in and possibly be the ninth lineman and the Giants would end up cutting maybe one of the edges that we have on this list or one of the cornerbacks depending on how many cornerbacks you have listed maybe one of those defensive players to kind of bring him on and that also depends on Evan Ingram's injury and a couple of these other nagging injuries the Giants are facing right now because I'm sure they're not going to want to put someone like Evan Ingram on IR if it's just going to be a one or two week kind of injury so things got kind of tricky with the uh, numbers in terms of guys like that
2: yeah no doubt about it we'll see what happens there all right
1: let's move on to the defensive side
2: of the ball before we do that let's take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors All right, defensive side of the ball, things get more interesting to me. Obviously, with the exception of, I mean, there's interesting spots on the offense. The offensive line, we've talked about it in depth, Nick. But you know, those back end guys were definitely worried about Larson. Though, you know, Jonathan Harrison's playing decent ball. uh, Did struggle a bit though during his uh, reps against NFL level defensive linemen with the Jets. I remember he was a he was a <laughs> among some Jets fans Nick, and I know his game could have changed from that point to now, so I'm not saying it's what he is now, but he was like Eric Flower's level among Jets fans at one point from the fans I know that I've talked Jets O line with and the Jets have had a similarly awful offensive line to the Giants over this last decade. so things have been struggled there. But let's move on to the defense enough talk about the offense. Let's start with the defensive line. I am projecting this Nick, Leonard Williams, Dexter Lawrence, Austin Johnson. That's three, BJ Hill for a fourth, Danny Shelton for a fifth, and I'm actually predicting a sixth offensive lineman to make the roster, and I have in, in, in asterisks likely to be the first cut if slash when, so it's mostly a when for me, the Giants sign an O-lineman or a cornerback, and we'll get to that in a minute from another team, but right now I do have Raymond Johnson with his incredible camp being that sixth defensive lineman. And last year, the Giants did carry six defensive linemen after first cuts. It was Dalvin, Dex, Leonard, B.J. Hill, R.J. McIntosh, and Austin Johnson. What that tells me regarding R.J. McIntosh making that first cut is that they really did kind of want to have that potential to have a hit again on the defensive line on the interior. Remember, when Gettleman first got here, he said a lot of things. He said, the first thing I'm going to do is fix this offensive line. He also said, I watched the Eagles win that Super Bowl with an incredibly deep defensive line rotation. And that's extremely important to have in the playoffs, in the postseason, in the NFL, a big, big, uh, a big pool of defensive lineman, interior-type guys that you can rotate in and out so you don't get tired. So to me, I think it's more likely for this team than others that they do carry six. I'm not sure it'll stick. I'm not sure Johnson will stick, but that's my initial prediction.
1: Yeah, I think if Johnson does make the team, he may be somebody who's inactive on a game day but still cracks that final 53. I don't have Johnson on here, but I do believe he's somebody who's definitely in the conversation. I just think he's in a position group that is incredibly deep for the New York Giants with Leonard Williams, Dexter Lawrence, Austin Johnson, B.J. Hill, and Danny Shelton. And I actually kind of wanted to ask you this. I've seen it be pitched around a little bit on Twitter. Do you think that the Giants will look to move somebody like BJ Hill because of the play because he's on the last year of his contract and because David Moa and Raymond Johnson have had really, really good camps and they may feel like that they can get a lot out of the current group of defensive linemen if they could get, say, like a fifth, which they won't get, or a fifth and seventh, which they won't get, some sort of day three pick. I'm not necessarily of that mindset, but I saw it floated out and I wanted to kind of pitch it to you because I'm a big BJ Hill guy.
2: Yeah, so this is funny because this is kind of picking up steam, I guess, in Giants Twitter at the game today. You know, I told you I sat with a couple guys from Giants Twitter, and Will was like willing to give me. He thinks there's a fifty percent chance that BJ Hill gets cut. He's willing to give me uh, or take a bet where it's two to one. I I, I predicted it thirty percent, and I think that's even being high, but it's possible because I said because he's had such a nondescript camp. But I think this is a classic example of. Way too much, uh, I don't want to say weight, credit, way too much weight being placed on uh, training camp reports and things we're not actually seeing and preseason reps that don't actually matter all that much versus what the actual film of real live game shows. And the film of real live game shows a player in B.J. Hill who consistently on tape was able to win quickly off the line of scrimmage as a pass rusher. That is not what you're going to get out of David Moe, in my opinion, at the NFL level. That is not what you're going to get for certain and probably unlikely out of Raymond Johnson. There are very few guys on this roster I think can win in those one-on-one battles like B.J. Hill can after the fact that they obviously have Lawrence and Williams. But after the big two, I think he's their next best bet. So this to me is a perfect example of the training camp buzz taking too much weight, the preseason reps that actually don't matter all that much taking too much weight, uh, I'm sorry. Wait, the fact that he hasn't had that much, you know, fanfare around his, I guess, training camp in preseason, taking too much weight. The film tells a whole nother
1: story, and I think the coaches are well aware of that. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. But I figured it was worth mentioning. Definitely. How, how does the edge look for you, bro?
2: So for edge, I have Lorenzo Carter, Aziz Ojolari, Ellerson Smith, because they're not giving up on that draft capital. Oshane Zimenez, Adenabo, who was someone I would consider like. He's had a really nondescript camp, but I just ultimately decided I feel like they can believe enough in his ability to help them on the edge in some spots and in the interior in other spots. And just the fact that they signed him to that contract, he'll make the roster. And then Cam Brown, who's just locked into this roster, I think.
1: Yeah, he's locked in from a special teams value, and yeah. you'll see him a little bit if injuries happen, you say Lorenzo Carter or Zimenez or somebody like that. Now, I have the same list as you with kind of a caveat about Odenebo. I don't think he's really done all that much this offseason through training camp. You haven't heard that much about him. He has that versatility that we spoke about. He can kick inside on passing downs. It just hasn't materialized into much in these three games that he's played in in the preseason, and I could see him being a cut if, say, the Giants had to get a little bit creative with their roster, or if there's any other potential players that the Giants are interested in. So I have him making the final 53, but I would not be shocked if he doesn't make it, especially since one of these linebackers is a former edge player. Yeah, I think that's more than fair, and
2: that's actually a really good point as to why he may not be a stick guy, and he may not be someone who even, maybe someone who initially makes it, but doesn't make it after kind of the transactions they're going to make post the first announcement you know like this is going to be a team that's active on the wire they have been throughout Dave Gettleman's tenure they have changed up their initial roster every single time so that's something to keep an eye on for sure ultimately I do kind of feel like the contract is going to play a role there and kind of what they originally envisioned in him when they signed him let's get to the inside I got four guys there I got Blake Martinez Reggie Raglin Carter
1: Coughlin and Tate Crowder same man i get the same four and uh blake martinez i mean that's your your star your stud i think tay crowder offers i guess you could say a little bit of upside for somebody who was mr irrelevant if he really kind of masters the mental part of the game i think he's uh a solid athlete i think he attacks downhill really well and he's just provides a little bit more athletic ability than someone like reggie raglan reggie raglan is mentally more up to speed than someone like tay crowder so if you put both of those players together i think you would have a pretty darn solid linebacker but that's not possible and then carl coughlin man i mean you gotta love the transition that he's making i wasn't necessarily um And again, it hasn't happened in regular season either, so we have to take that uh, in mind as well. But I I didn't think that it would be as, uh, as effective even in the preseason as he's been at this position. So I think he's basically played himself into being a lock on this roster and being that fourth linebacker who could actually earn some snaps over Crowder and Ragland if he keeps progressing within this position.
2: Yeah, there's no doubt about it. It's really been fun to watch his steady rise, the steady drum beat that's been building for him. He's given me some hope. you know. I feel like that's a great thing to have a potential prospect on the inside that we weren't expecting. I know Dave Crowder has some upside as well. I'm not trying to take that away from him at all. I just ultimately feel like there's more upside with a player like Coughlin.
1: Uh, yeah, right. and I, I don't think that's a ridiculous take either especially in Patrick Graham's defense that loves these second level defenders as we've spoken about for over a year now. Yep. That's it. I mean, that's, that's it, right? Like he's, this is the example of what
2: we talk about on offense, like fitting your system to the talent. I can't think of many better examples than what we've seen from Carter Coughlin since he joined the New York Giants with Patrick Graham. It's just like Patrick Graham gets it, man. It clicks for him with a lot of these players that he recruits. I don't want to say recruits, it's not college, but probably has a hand in picking. Um, I'm sure he had a big hand in deciding that Carter Coughlin was someone to prioritize on their board on day three. So definitely exciting to see, man. I'm really excited to see him. He's been like a nice late bloomer, not late bloomer, but just someone I wasn't totally counting on going into training camp as someone that could make a big impact on this defense. And now I'm like, maybe he can, maybe he really can. Uh, let's talk corners. I've got Bradbury, Adoree Jackson, Darnay Holmes Crossin, Darius Williams, who, man, talk about steady drumbeat like I we began this offseason like Rodarius Williams is joining an insanely deep group kind of a, maybe on our part overlooking the fact that the outside boundary position wasn't as deep as we thought but I think we kind of both envisioned him more as a slot anyway Um, now he seems like a big roster lock to me and then my last guy here controversial one Nick so I'm actually only carrying six corners which uh, it's pretty in line with what the Giants typically do. They carried six corners last year. So I have them carrying, or at least, again, initial cuts, six corners. Again, I have them going six, and it's Sam Beal as my last one with a 45% chance. And I think I want to up that to 60% chance. We see, we see Beal replaced with a cut from another roster. And then I said – Also, in asterisk, Aaron Robinson, the third rounder, is going to open on Pup. He'll be that guy once he's healthy, which I don't think is going to take too long. My deal with this is just, like, the options here, it's it's slim pickings there. I mean, like, I went back and forth on some of these other guys. I'm sure they wanted Josh Jackson to be this final guy, but he's been injured since he got to the Giants. Since they traded for him, he's been injured. So, I mean, can they really put him on the roster, just basically kind of— guessing that he'll be able to, to fit into the system without actually seeing it. I'm not so sure. In the end, I kind of said a uh, quick line to Beal. And then Harper, who you talked about earlier, man, he just doesn't look good out there. I just don't get the feeling that Harper has any chance of really sticking. So I'm going to go with Beal to start, but I, I do really feel like this could, this could change.
1: Yes, I have the same exact list with that same exact caveat about Sam Beal. I'm pretty certain it would change. What I would say, though, is we expected – Aaron Robinson to not be injured back when we were talking about Rodarius Williams chances and then Williams had this excellent camp as well so I mean I, I'm I'm very happy with Rodarius Williams making this roster albeit I don't really want to see him out there against number one quarterbacks and wide receivers because I don't think that would go well for the rookie sixth round pick this early in his career and I don't really believe you can rely too much on Crossen as a cornerback although he's going to make the team because he's an excellent gunner on special teams he's great on kickoff as well but since one of these safeties is a converted cornerback kind of allows you to not have as much depth at the cornerback position but I'm not going to be shocked if Sam Beal makes this squad and then is released shortly after when the Giants poach someone off waivers
2: yeah no doubt about it all right let's do the safeties I have peppers Ryan McKinney love I I can only imagine this is your exact you have the exact same thing correct?
1: It is. I do not have Chris Johnson making the team, unfortunately. <laughs>
2: there's not, this one's like the easiest one in the book. This one, anyone I think could have predicted who follows the team. It's good,
1: yeah, though. this it's is great, a... right? like
2: It's good that this is the case where they have four locked in guys. We're pretty confident in all four of them.
1: Yes, we're very confident, and there's a reason for it. And I hope they all stay healthy, knocking on wood and everything, because I believe they each provide a ton of value to what Patrick Graham wants to do. I think a lot of them are interchangeable, which can give your defense that slight edge over the offense from a schematic standpoint. If the quarterback doesn't really necessarily know what your safeties are doing or where they're rotating or what their assignment slash responsibility is, because a lot of these guys can do a lot of different things, even though they all kind of specialize in a certain thing. I can trust every single one of these guys in a lot of the roles that Patrick Graham asked them to do. Yeah.
2: I'm with you on that, and I thought it was really cool that when we found out why Xavier McKinney was playing last week with all the backups, um, it was because the Giants were like, we want to give him an opportunity to get the headset. We want to give him an opportunity to be the quarterback of the defense, something Logan Ryan always gets to do. And we want to see what he can do because that's something, you know, one underrated low key thing about what I love so much about McKinney as a prospect is that Nick Saban turned that defense over to him. And like Nick Saban doesn't do that often as early in the career as he did with McKinney, he gave him a lot of responsibility back there as that quarterback of the defense. So I know he's got that capability. I know he has that upside and I'm happy that he, you know, got that opportunity. But again, just another example of why we're just so excited about this safety group.
1: Absolutely. And then we have our three special teamers, Dan. We can't forget about them. Cannot. Nope. Good old so Graham. Bad. Gano, Riley Dixon and Casey Kreider making the team. Good old Santoso got traded to the Panthers. Good on the giants to get a pick out of a kicker.
2: Yeah, definitely. I hope it's not another, uh, Randy McManus situation, but <laughs> time will tell on that one because I mean, it is what it is. Gano was so damn good last year, but he is older and they did, Dump a a huge chunk of cap space for a kicker position into Ganoa. And we were fine with it. Like, I like the contract. You like the contract. It's okay. I'm not too concerned in general with cap related stuff. But it it will kind of suck if Santoso does turn out to be the next, uh, I'm sorry, Brandon McManus, where it's like, uh, you could have had him for nothing. And he is ultimately like the next big kicker. But that's so far down the line from being the deal right now. I know the Giants have unfortunately had a lot of that. That's happened a lot in recent years. It wasn't just McManus, where that was the case. I'm I'm forgetting enough. There was another big one earlier in my fantasy. Now I'm like blanking on this name. Who was the kicker? You guys can help me out, listeners, podcast. Who was the kicker the Giants traded before McManus, who ended up being awesome after they traded him? You guys can definitely fill me in on that, unless you have it, Nick. Do you have
1: it? The kicker the Giants traded before McManus, that was all. It's not coming to me right now, and I'm sure I'll kick myself whenever somebody points it out to me.
2: (laughs) Me too. I feel the exact same way. All right, Nick, anything else on the 53-man roster projection, the initial one you have before we go over it and re and, and kind of re- – I'm going to go over my exact roster and you can go over yours as well.
1: No, I think it's pretty solid. I mean we have the uh, practice squad guys, the Giants, and every team can keep up to 16 players on the practice squad. A handful of them can be veterans, so I can go over those guys real quick and some of those guys who I wouldn't be shocked if they actually ended up making the roster – So I guess I'll do that right now. Lewerke at quarterback. Brightwell at running back with Plotzgummer being a roster exemption. So he gets the nod for that. Hausman at tight end. Dante Pettis at wide receiver. Willis, Austin Mack. And then I have Matt Cole, who's a low-key person if something were to happen to Croson or anybody else. Somebody we haven't brought up quite yet, but Matt Cole is definitely an interesting one. Giants worked him out at cornerback against the Browns, and he – wasn't targeted for like a really long time in that game. And it was actually pretty shocking. And then we have on the offensive line, Chad Slade, uh, Burton and Brett Hagee, and then Raymond Johnson, Moa, uh, Nico Lalos, and then a cornerback, Josh Jackson and Madre Harper.
2: Yeah. It's pretty similar to what I would have here. Um, obviously it's basically just the guys that were, are in the position battles that are just losing out for the most part, obviously the younger guys, that being the only exception that, you know, it's not obviously some of these older vets. I obviously have Pettis making my final roster. Um, so that that would be one of the changes there. And we'll see what happens with this unit. Brightwell is going to be an interesting one. I'm still curious about him getting these first team reps, but ultimately I feel like they might feel a little bit more confident right now in Clement. And that could be something that changes in season, but let's go over the final uh, rosters. Then for, for me, I end up having uh, my final roster. I have two quarterbacks. I end up having five, backs but again remember two of those are full backs but five backs three tight ends six receivers eight offensive linemen but I think there's over 50 percent chance that the Giants will sign a ninth offensive lineman for another team from another team I should say I start off here with six defensive linemen like the Giants carried last year and like they've tended to carry at times throughout Gettleman's tenure he's big again on that rotation but I do have Raymond Johnson finally being the first cut probably being the first cut but I wouldn't be surprised if they sign another defensive lineman from another team, like somebody else who they've had their eye on, an Austin Johnson-type late into this process. On the edge, I have them going with five players there, four at inside backer, six at corner, four at safety, and then finally the three on special teams. What's your final countdown, Nick?
1: It's the final countdown. So it gets weird because the tight end with – <laughs> I I do like '80s music, and someone's probably gonna be like, "That wasn't the '80s," but it, it, to me, it seems like it would be an '80s song. But what do I know? Uh, so for me, I have it. It's a little weird now with this Evan Ingram injury, but let's assume that Evan Ingram is fine. Okay, so I have two quarterbacks in Daniel Jones, Mike Glennon. Three running backs in Barkley, Booker, Clement. The two fullbacks, Penny and Gillespie. Seven wide receivers with Galladay, Shepard, Slayton, Tony, John Ross. Remember, he has to make the roster to get put on IR, and if that doesn't happen and they want to end up just releasing him, I could see Dante Pettis filling that role. David Sills and CJ Board. Tight end-wise, Evan Ingram, Kyle Rudolph, Caden Smith, so three. And then for the offensive line, I have the eight, same eight as you, Andrew Thomas, Matt Parrott, Nate Solder, Will Hernandez, Shane Lemieux, Nick Gates, Ted Larson, Jonathan Harrison. Then on defense, five defensive linemen, Williams, Lawrence, Hill, Austin Johnson, and Danny Shelton. The edge, I have six right now, but I am not confident about Odenabo making this roster, so it would be Odenabo, Brown, who's mostly special teams, Ellerson, Smith, Oshin Zimenez, Aziz Jolari, and Lorenzo Carter. Linebacker, I have four, Blake Martinez, Tay Crowder, Carter Coughlin, and Reggie Ragland. Cornerback, James Bradbury, Adoree Jackson, Darnay Holmes, Rodarius Williams, Keon Crossen, Sam Beal, that's six. And then the four safeties of Jabril Peppers, Logan Ryan, Xavier McKinney, Julian Love, with the special teamers being Gano, Dixon, and Kreider. All right, that's
2: our 53-man roster prediction, or at least our initial 53-man roster prediction. That will change. That's going to be evolving. Anything
1: else you want to touch on before we sign off here, Nick? Let's hope the Giants find some good guys to poach off of other rosters. That would be that would quite be awesome right now because it's there's some like position they haven't group, done it before. It, it, exactly. Under Dave Gettleman, they've done it, and they've had success doing it with guys like Caden Smith, who was right. a sixth-round pick by the 49ers that was poached in 2019. But there are some position groups here, Dan, that, that need some, some upgrade on depth, specifically the offensive line. I think you could throw the tight ends in there. Cornerback is something to look at as well. So it's uh, it's something that I'm sure the pro scouting department will be uh, definitely thinking about a lot this coming week. Yep. All right, guys, have a great rest of your week. We'll
2: talk to you soon, and we'll be back with the actual 50 grand roster to break it all down. Any surprises, any potential trades, anything like that? I did just see this pop across Twitter, which is probably for another time, Nick, but Dan Duggan said... BJ Hill is the only player to not play a single snap. To only healthy player to not play a single snap tonight. Things that make you go, hmm. Yeah, that does make
1: me go. Hmm. We'll ta- we'll that have to see how that all plays out. Definitely makes me go. Hmm. That is wow. I did not realize that. That's that's that could be <laughs> that could be bad because there could be a trade that's already in the works and they were just holding him off to ensure that he didn't get injured. Or we could just be overthinking. But I guess we might find out tomorrow.
2: That's where my brain went. <laughs> you know, is this breaking news? Are they holding him off so he doesn't get injured because they're going to trade him? I, I, I hope that's not the case. I love BJ Hill, but I guess time will tell. Absolutely, right, man. guys. Have a great rest of your week. We will talk to you soon.